0: And welcome to another episode of Talk Gopher Buckets. I'm Luke Buer.
1: And this is Ryan James, the Gopher Illustrated Illustrated, joining Luke Buer on PJ Fleck's birthday. <laughs> and Luke is actually talking basketball on PJ Fleck's birthday. <laughs> it's amazing.
0: It's Frank, amazing. Luke. How come how come you didn't list all your other jobs? Like prep hoops, uh yeah. teacher, um, you know, uh what else the breakdown, all these things?
1: Because because
0: I mean, we would still be—I'd still be lifting them. <laughs> All right. So, Ryan, the Gophers are currently two and zero. I don't know if you pay. I know you aren't a big Ken Pomeroy guy, but did you notice that uh, last? I looked last evening. The Gophers are in the top thirty in efficiencies right now in the country, and you know that kind of boggles my mind because the Gophers haven't actually had very efficient games, in my opinion. Um, they started off the game against Green Bay pretty well, but then struggled. Um, to start off the game against, uh, uh, to start off the game against, uh, Monroe. Wait. Oh, man. We're playing him twice and I can't even remember. It's, uh, it's Loyola Marymount, not Monroe. Um, yeah. You know, both, both victories, but, you know, kind of inconsistent games in general. But I kind of wanted to just go through each of these games. Um, so, looking, looking at the start, against Green Bay, you know, the Gophers got out to a really fast start uh, and then started to struggle in the second half. But, you know, the headline is very obviously Marcus Carr with 35 points, 12 of 22 shooting, and 7 of 7 from the line. I mean, phenomenal game from him. And I think very, very obviously right now, he is the identity of this ball club.
1: He is the identity. But what's your fine Okay, so you just spoke about how Minnesota had – a you know they were really efficient in the first half, and then there was a right. pocket where they weren't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's been actually the case of both games. And it, I mean, it it, it kind of comes off of Marcus Carr for better or for worse. Like Marcus Carr, he looks bigger, he looks faster,
2: mm-hmm. he looks
1: like he is able to get to a balance and confidently hit shots anytime he's inside of twenty two feet. He looks great, but also so much of this team is predicated on what he does that if Marcus decides he's going to go on a run of, you know, you know, if he does, if he doesn't feel like moving the ball for a pocket of time, the rest of the guys around them follow suit. Mm-hmm. Their their activity stops, they start launching bad shots and the two pockets of poor play you've seen this year were at the start of the second half of the Green Bay game when he was he had a little he held the ball a little bit too much mm-hmm. and that's when Green Bay turned the 31 point lead into 10. And then last night you know he had some stretches in the early in the game where he there, there was a, there was a stretch where he had a chance to ball reversal five times and he didn't pick it. Mm-hmm. He attacked last night instead of reversing the ball and like the, uh, the next thing you know other guys are following suit taking bad jumpers attacking bad spots. But once Marcus starts moving the ball. The whole offense works beautiful. So, like, it's it's kind of I know I just said some negative stuff there, but it actually comes back to how important and how talented he is mm-hmm. because everything seems to be predicated on you know how he's playing. You know, and mm-hmm. the guy can take over a dang game for sure. And he's he looked he I never expected him to be this this good. Mm-hmm. Like he's fed like. I remember Richard Patino saying when he was redshirting it right when he had came, it was a, one of the maroon gold scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And Petino like walked over to me to real and I said, Guys, Marcus Carr is really, really good. And Marcus and Richard Petino is not I'm not lying. he was giving us a glimpse to the future. He is so talented. Like more talented than Andre Hollins and Nate Mason,
2: mm-hmm. which
1: means first team all big ten type stuff. But when you're that when that you're that talented if you go on a lull as the point guard slash total playmaker, the whole team kind of goes with
0: it. Yeah, you know, you're right. Um, he, he is super talented and you're right and the ball's in his hands a ton but he is, because the ball's in his hands a ton, it has to it has to move with him as well which is a great point by you. I, one thing I want to point out too is I, I thought that, you know, when, when the Gophers moved the ball better, um, you know, they, they weren't jacking up bad shots, right? And, to me in that green bay game, you look you just look at the stat line and you just look at it and you go, Okay, there's seven to thirty-four from three. How many of those were good shots, right? Like, how many of those three-point shots were good shots? I don't think they're that bad a shooting team, but then you look at Loyola. They made a concerted effort, in my opinion, to try and attack the basket a little bit more. They ended up being an f- 8 of 15 from three there, but in both games, they're able to accumulate fouls on the other team. Now, this is lesser competition. I'm not necessarily convinced that they're going to be able to do this against you know all Big Ten teams, but being able to shoot 28 and 30 free throws respectively, like, that's the identity. Identity of a Patino-led team. He wants them to be able to get to the line a lot, and so far they've been able to do that
1: for sure. And I'm glad you said that about the three pointers because you you could see there was a a real focus. It's, it like they shot a ton of threes the first game, and it mm-hmm. was and it was ugly at times. And last night the first half did not get off to a smooth offensive start. And towards the end of the first half, it got much better ball reversals came. And then there was such a switch, such a change into the second half. You could tell that coach Patino gave them a halftime talk about ball movement, about where they need to get touches, about, you know, where, where, where shots need to come from and when they need to come from. Like, I, I think that's the first move of the season so far, where you have to point at coach Patino and say, that's a, heck that's a good job of getting your team to change the way they were playing. Because he did. He, mm-hmm. he did do that, in the, in that last night. And when you said identity, like what builds off of that identity, what I think this team can be, and I've said this a few times, but I'm going to keep saying it. It's how I led my article off after the post game last night. This is the type of team that has size and athletes and effort guys that are going to be able to defend. When you mm-hmm. look at who's going to play the most minutes at each possession, at each position, Marcus Carr, like Marcus Carr wants to fly up the floor. We know that. Gabe Kelcher is one of the best defenders in the Big Ten. So you have a good defender there. Mm-hmm. You have Booth who wants, who's looking to, to go Deion Sanders and, and get any type of turnover he can and fly the other way. Brandon Johnson's going to play most power forward, man. Brandon mm-hmm. Johnson's a good defender. Mm-hmm. Like these guys want to go. You add Jamal Mashburn, you add uh, uh, Trey Williams, you add these Jarvis O'Mersa. Guys, these guys want to go, and that's mm-hmm. the identity. You force turnovers, you, for, you force long misses that you can grab and fly the other way, and you send four guys, you know, sprinting the other direction against two and give buckets that way. If this team, this team has the ability to do that, it starts with defense, but this team has the ability to do that and for that to be their identity. I think they can do it because I think Gabe and Brandon are those high-level defenders, and mm-hmm. some other guys come off the bench are those type of defenders too. And then you have ball handlers and Booth and and Marcus Carr who are ready to lead those trades. Yeah. So yeah, I think that can be the identity.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that's what they can work towards. I just I don't think they're quite there yet. I think I think that you're right though. Um, I think that too. One of the things to be able to have that identity is they have some depth, which they haven't had in years past. I think that the key to being able to feel like you can play with that kind of pace is ensuring that they can, that Marcus Carr doesn't have to play 37 minutes. Right. Um, and he did against, uh, against Loyola, but, but you know, if we can get, if we can get Jamal Mashburn Jr. Who I like, don't get me wrong. I like him, but if we can get Patino to have confidence in him that he can play 15 minutes a game and, those like, and then we can get Marcus Carr to play thirty minutes instead of thirty-seven, right? I think that they can play with that pace because everything right now is kind of hinges on Marcus Carr. And but you're right, defensively, they've got the pieces. I like what Omersa can do um, in spots, especially defensively. And and Eden is sneaky good defensively, um, as long as he's positioned well and he's done that. And Liam Robbins, if he can just stop following, I think they really can have a defensive identity.
1: I, I agree. I, 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 I think I kind of agree. I kind of agree. I'm going to go okay. point, counterpoint on a bunch of names you just said. We'll start from the last name and go back to the first name. Liam Robbins, uh, part, of, part of it is on Liam. Um, another part is on the referees. The referees are out here trying. They're going to set a precedent for what is an illegal screen. Mm -hmm. Right away, they're going to make sure that they're not letting guys be too physical. It's not because they have this certain image of what they want a a ball screen to look like, although they do, but it's not like this year it's changed or physical player on the back. What they want to happen is they want to call it early so the guys know that as the year moves on, yeah, we need to set a screen this way. Yeah, we can't do this in the post. Because if you don't do any of it right away, it's going to get out of hand quickly. So that's why Liam has been a victim a little bit of the referees trying to set that. But he also he also has to like, there have been some issues and he he has to his footwork has been off here at -hmm. Uh, times on the ball screen, at times moving his uh, his feet in the post and getting to, to his wall up when he's defending. So you have that there. You had talked about uh Isaiah Eamon. I looked at the film a little bit this morning. I came I wanted to see some defensive things. You know, in Go for Lister David, we were talk we talked about a lot of the players, we talk a lot about defense and that game thread, and then we go offensive into it. Isaiah made some defensive mistakes and I but I don't think I've pointed out that he was all right in the first half. Yeah. Like Eli yeah, Eli Scott is a tough guard. And in looking back at it, Isaiah was on him more than I thought. And in the first half, Isaiah did okay. In the second half, he did not. Mm-hmm. Second half, Brandon Johnson needed to be pulled in real quick and put him on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a little bit better than I had thought. And you had mentioned Jamal Mashburn. I I think that okay. First of all, Marcus Cars thirty minutes against Loyola Marymount is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You cannot be playing. You, that can't. We've heard. We've heard. For staff. Perpetino talk about it. You can't he you, you can't play him that much all the time? We all talk about it. We all know it. Um, I'm going to give it a little bit of pass here though, I think that they are bringing Jamal along. They're bringing him along a little slower than I expected. Knowing they're kind of slowly bringing him, mm-hmm. they're bringing him late into the game, later. Like he's came into the, the game at the 11 minute mark and the nine and a half, about 950 mark both times. So I think they're just kind of bringing him along slower than. I, I think most expected them to, but that makes sense. He's a freshman. Mm-hmm. So that might be a reason you see Marcus playing 37 minutes, or you just can't have Marcus Carr, those 37, 38, 40 minute games. They have to be here and there in big game situations. They can't be against Loyola Marymount.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess to me, the thing with Jamal Mashburn is it's twofold. Like, I think, I think he's, playing well he's i think he's a little bit better on the offensive side than the defensive side i'd like to see him positionally he's okay i'd like to see him apply more ball pressure i think he's capable of it um, and I think that that would be a good uh, change of pace for the Gophers with him being able to apply more ball pressure. Um, but, yeah, I, I like how they're bringing him along, and I know it's going to take a little bit of time, uh, but I, I definitely think he's the future after Marcus Carr, I, You know, at least of what they have on the roster. right? I like him as a player. Um, I, I do want to talk about the ball screen, or the, um, the, the dribble handoff screen, and how they're calling this from a refereeing perspective. I personally like this. Um, this change and this emphasis because for, for a lot of teams you'd you'd see, you know, definitely a ton of moving screens or um, you know, guys really just kind of picking people off and not actually setting a legal screen. What's your thoughts on on the whole emphasis on moving screens?
1: Look, if I had my way, like the screens would just be like offensive linemen hitting
2: each
1: other. <laughs> I, I'm not, like, like I like, I like like, like that's, I love physical defense. So, like, I, I just want to see a war, battle out there. I know you so, do. I don't know. I don't know that my opinion in this regard is a good opinion because most referees would would be like, "Oh, that's terrible." Oh. But I mean, in actuality, you can't. It, it, the, today's game is such a ball screen dominated situation. Yep, you they do have. They do have to go through. And say, okay, you can do this, and you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And as years go on, guys are basically not only are they setting screens, but they're starting to get their arms out and grab. They're mm-hmm. starting to get a screen, and then they're holding and turning and spinning off. So not only are they make a contact, but then they basically freeze you as they move around you. Right. You know that type of stuff. That type of stuff has to. Uh, I can understand why why they are doing it, but there's when you saw some of. Some of the more important baskets last night, like, like, okay, Gabe didn't make a three last night, or he didn't even officially take a three, mm-hmm. but he did make a jumper right at right on the arc, and that was off a, Jamar, a Jarvis immersive screen and, and dribble handoff, and Jarvis has been really good at that. Jarvis also opened up Marcus Carr mm-hmm. several times in the last two games, um, uh, and there was one situation where I think some of the best basketball I saw last night in the Loyola mary my, my game was Marcus was on the opposite wing, and there was a, a ball was reversed to him. And Jarvis came high because the Gophers are doing. You look back at it; they're doing a lot of four-out motion with that with the uh, correct with the yeah with the center moving block block top of key high post down to the block. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously there's some flashing in there from you know your fours, but like they're doing a lot where when the ball is reversed, the the big is coming up and setting that screen high. I loved the action where Marcus Carr started the offense, moved to the opposite side of the floor, ball comes back to him, and he is met by a screen with, like, almost on, on the uh, inside, like, closest to the ball, closest to the sideline, and the screen is coming before you get to the top of the key, and there's so, Marcus had so much space to work. And you saw three scores late in the half in that scenario. I think it was an, a dribble attack where he beat the defense there, it was a three-pointer, and then it was that one where he actually had time, he came around he had time to post up. Mm -hmm. And then he post up and spun and scored like yeah, I love that action with this team. And Jarvis Lomerso deserves some credit for the screen he's setting
0: too. Yeah, he he does deserve credit. I, I know people are gonna focus on his, you know, his inability to um, you know, hit free throws. Uh, you know, some of the times he has some kind of clumsy turnovers, but for the most part, like I like what he is giving. Um he he definitely gives a lot on the defensive end. He still struggles with closeouts at times. Um, but you know, he, he boards hard. Uh he definitely positionally can play a bigger guy and is willing to put in the effort and then as you're as you're pointing out he's by far the best screener on the roster in my opinion um and he does a really good job of not moving but he also does a good job of you know squaring guys up such that they can get a good run off of it right um he and he because he walls up and he actually makes a screen where you know it's not these token like i'm not trying to i'm not trying to bash jordan murphy here but jordan murphy was a terrible screener right he didn't say oh he was like nope, they're, they're, he he was good. He was good offensively, but he was a terrible, terrible screener. Um Let's.
1: I, hey, uh, Luke, can I, Luke yeah. can I run through? I want, I want to run through some numbers real quickly. Yeah. Guess who leaves the team in steals?
0: I guess Gotch, but I don't know.
1: Jarvis O'Mersa Oh, uh, does he? Guess who is third in assist on the team right now?
0: I'm going to guess Jarvis O'Mersa based on the last
1: Jarvis O'Mersa. Guess who's third in rebounding on the team right now. <laughs> Got to be Jarvis O'Mersa. Jarvis O'Mersa. Dang yeah. anyway, right. The dude is getting after it. Guess who's second on the team in blocks right now. Jarvis O'Mersa. Yeah. Dude is getting after it. Yeah. You know, partially it's because Liam Robbins is average. Oh, let's see what Liam's, let's see what Liam's fouls per minute is right here. Eight fouls in 36 minutes. He's fouling. Liam is fouling once during a foul call, like once every four but So that's partially
0: why Jarvis is playing so much, but there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Totally legit. Um, So one of the things that I wanted to focus on in this discussion today is one thing that's evident to me is one, the improvement of Gabe Kalischer going to the rim, right. And and making a concerted effort to do it. I mean, he's obviously been a, a spot up shooter the majority of his career. Um, and he can come off screens i'm not trying to say he doesn't but his ability to get to the rim and then obviously we knew gotch was going to be able to as well um but i feel like this team is making a more concerted concerted effort to get to the rim which is good and if they can space it out they do have some guys that can shoot obviously Carr, you know kalischer i still think i still think of kalischer as absolutely a shooter enan still has that mentality um brandon johnson (laughs) knocked down a three and you can also get liam robbins in there as well uh trey williams also has shot the ball well in his career and times um in jamal mashburn so if you can get guys to dribble and get to the rim and then you can space the floor i think you know with the athleticism and the defense that they can put forward this could be a pretty dangerous offense in t- in time as they kind of feel each other out
1: there's no question there was first of all marcus carr is so quick he's so explosive that when he's on that straight line to the rim and if. And if the health defense isn't prepared, they'll, he'll make them pay. Mm-hmm. Now, but the guy who really has me excited in that half-court offense, the way he attacks is Booth Gotch. Because Booth is the type of guy, if he gets that first step towards the rim and there's a lane, it's over. Because if there's a lane and the health defense isn't, in the, isn't ready to get there, it's over. Because he's six foot seven. And he's got one of the best vertical. Like he's not just a, a leaper who gets off the floor quick. This is a dude that, with a running start, to cover ground. So like you mm-hmm. saw twice last night, where he he took one, he got he took that first step because the defense gave him the lane. He took one dribble and vaulted towards the rim. It's too late unless as for health defender. It's too late.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: you, it's very hard to get over and cover that. He so got tar. You have Booth Gotch, who is special in that regard. And Gabe Kelcher is 8 of 17 inside the arc so far this year, doing a pretty impressive job beating his man to the rim. Now, Gabe Kelcher is starting game. He's going to be like, you're going to have to put your quickest defender on Marcus Carr. For sure. You're going to have to put your bigger defender on Booth Gotch. And then you're going to have to put a guy who you want to deny on Gabe Kelscher. Well, if you're going to deny him, like they did a lot last night, well, it, it, you, Gabe is smart enough to be able to move without the basketball or he can uh, catch and attack and somebody's being over aggressive in the passing lane. So Gabe is giving what they're taking him, and that's why he's getting – that's why he has, he's shooting 8 of 17 inside the arc, and there's – you know, he's got – what does he got? He's averaging 13 a game, so he's got 26 points in two games. And that's barely. That's using one three-pointer, to get that total. So yeah, it is, it is promising how this team can get to the rim.
0: Yeah, um, you know we've seen Liam Robbins in limited minutes. You know from the from like a post perspective, um, yeah you know he's hit a couple threes too we knew he could space the floor um he maybe hasn't looked as good in the post but i think that's a function of finding comfort and really never getting into a game flow in some sense right um but early in that first game with green bay he and eric curry um well one eric curry we've known for a long time is a very good passer uh and and liam robbins has been um on the receiving end of a couple of those passes uh but you know from a post perspective brandon johnson had had a nice post up etc uh you know i i do expect there to be a post presence i'm not trying to say this is purely a, a guard oriented only offense um but i think that they will be able to complement each other nicely and and all these guys more or less can space the floor i don't know that eric curry is going to hit a ton of threes but we knew you know in his, his freshman season in particular he was pretty good in the mid-range etc um so i'm excited to see what we can see from the post from from these posts as they develop as well to complement this outside uh slashing play it,
1: it's 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 TBD. It's to be determined. I agree. I I believe that we are going to eventually see more and more post-up chances, just like you saw. I mean, Jordan Murphy and Daniel Tour obviously got the ball in the post to do work the last several seasons. This team knows how to do it. The team knows how to put the ball down their hands. But there's some circumstances. I got three of them in mind that have taken away from many post-up chances. One foul trouble. No, Brandon Johnson, Liam Robbins has been in foul trouble all all eighty minutes that he's yeah. been a gopher. You know, Brandon Johnson spent the entire first game in foul trouble. Yep. Um. Eric Curry's has Eric Curry's been in foul trouble. So, and then Jarvis and Mercer really replacing a guy who's gonna who's gonna get many post touches. So, with Liam, Liam and Brandon Johnson, the two guys who want to touch the ball, they're just both of them in the foul trouble. So you t- you have that problem. A, B, these teams, the Gophers have forced. What is it? The Gophers have forced 42 turnovers right. so far in two games. Right. So, like, when you're forcing for 42 turnovers, you're flying the other way and you're getting buckets. That takes away from post chance. And the third thing is what we talked about to start here. the When you have pockets where the ball doesn't move, it never enters the post. When the ball doesn't move, it's not going to enter the post, period. So those three factors have resulted in Liam and Brandon Johnson not getting the touches that they eventually will. But you've you've seen a few of I them. And you highlighted Eric Curry. Both games they've started they, we've seen they they started by using Eric Curry. Yep. Last night it was Eric Curry had the ball, I think it was just a step up from the elbow, caught and Marcus Carr curled around him. It was a drill handoff and Eric stuck his you know, turned his body, stuck his butt right into the guy that Carr was guarding and Carr went to the rim. And then in the game before, and what you pointed out, there was high-low stuff from Curry to Robbins. It was about as easy as it could be because Green Bay is out here with two guys bigger than 6'6 and two guys bigger than 200 200 pounds. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this season season develops. Um, not one, like how many games do they play, period? Um, but then two, just you know, are they able to get into a flow um, offensively, kind of feel each other out? Because this is a whole new roster, you know, a complete reconstruction from years past. Uh, because they have so many new additions, especially with three new starters. Uh, well, I guess Eric Curry is not technically a new starter, but I'm going to count him as a new starter because he arguably really hasn't played much in three seasons. Um, so. Looking looking forward, uh, as we go forward, one, super weird that they're playing Little Marymount two games in a row. Uh, th- I've never seen this happen before other than like in an NBA setting, so I'm really interested to see how the second game plays out. Uh, is, one, are you going to drive in for this one, Ryan, to watch them play the exact
1: same team again? I will because, first, Three reasons. Yeah, everything I have, I can't give a simple response to anything. Obviously, <laughs> one, <laughs> one, like <clears throat> for one, I love going to with game. Yes, plain and simple, just love it. Two, like there's some certain things you want to see before the game. You know, is this, this guy injured? Is this guy playing? You know, is this guy? <clears throat> excuse me, is this guy maybe out because he has some coughs going on and? You know, maybe he's the next one. You know, you, you want to see who's playing and who's not. And the third thing, like this, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna highlight this too much, but I'm in Williams Arena, and not many people are. And I, if I'm given that opportunity, I'm going to be there just because I'm gonna take advantage of the opportunity and respect the fact that somebody gave me that opportunity. Yeah. So I will, I will go to that game. It makes it pre. It makes it a, a preview tomorrow a little different, you know, yeah. I don't have to do as much research,
2: right. you know,
1: but this schedule, I've said it before, they have, you know, basically what you, what Dickie V would call cupcakes, I don't call them cupcakes, I call them low-major, mid-major opportunities to play high-major teams, opportunities for a high-major to get their guys in, I love that five of their first six games are against low-major, mid-major teams, they need to build the confidence and camaraderie for this, and I've lost college, that you know that game is December 8th, two Tuesdays away. That's gonna be tough, but Luke, they need those games mm-hmm. because once this once we hit December fifteenth, this is gonna get wild. Yeah, because Illinois, my pick to win the Big Ten, that's first.
2: Mm-hmm. St.
1: Louis, people don't sleep on St. Louis. St. Louis might be one of the best, if not the best, you know mid major team. They're certainly the biggest surprise talented mid-major team. They're working to be the best mid-major team in America. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a tough game. Then you've got Iowa, who others have picked for a big ten. Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio. This schedule just comes at you. So they need these early season games to build because
0: pretty keen it's going to get heavy yeah it is going to get heavy and there are a ton a ton of good teams on this roster up and down the big 10 it's a solid it's a solid uh it's a solid league like it like it always is um but i I really wonder where are the weak teams uh, you know in in the big 10 i just don't know if there are many um i know that purdue and nebraska both have losses on the season already but still like this is just a, a good conference up and down um and you know i've gotten to watch a little bit you know i've been pretty impressed you know I saw Illinois play once they looked pretty good Iowa looked crazy good at least Luca Garza looked incredible but they I don't I don't think the team they were playing was very good the game I watched um, Ohio State's 2-0 um, yeah the, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a very interesting season in general um, and then looking forward to some of these games um, one question for you that I had uh, what North Dakota what are the odds that you think this game actually gets played with the current state of the pandemic with uh, North Dakota I haven't haven't been checking up on them if they've even played yet have you well,
1: I know Nor- I know North Dakota state has been playing
0: yeah North Dakota has played uh, one- North, North Dakota played one game already sorry
1: okay yeah they played Miami Ohio they yeah. lost to Miami Ohio
0: yep yep so
1: and I think their next game is against Minnesota if I'm not mistaken Maybe um, they had some
0: They play something called um, Dixie State Between there But yeah
1: Which is Which is probably why The internet didn't pick that up Dixie State Where is that where, where is Dixie State I've never heard I've never, never heard like a, of
0: Dixie State um,
1: That's because it sounds That sounds like Because it, it sounds like A mom who cut hairs In the '60s. <laughs> so I don't like, I I That's this Friday You know Let's just hope it happens you know, that's I'm just gonna toss my fingers and hope it happens. But, but the but the thing about the big test schedule is you have it looks stacked right now, but looks are gonna change it's going things are gonna change a month and a half from now because a lot of things can happen. Yep. One, COVID. Unfortunately, games will get canceled, other games there's gonna be short players.
2: Mm-hmm. As
1: much as these teams will be stacked, there are gonna be teams that at times might be short players. You have injuries that are gonna come. As like Nebraska Northwestern and Penn state are not going to be very good teams. Penn state's going through changes. Northwestern needs another year. Nebraska is like a completely, Nebraska is damn near a freaking open, open gym team. Like they're just picking up whoever comes the best of whoever who comes available. And they all throw into a team. That's, that's Nebraska right now. Mm-hmm. Like, do they have a chance to be good in the future? They, they, they do. But McGowan kids are, are players, but right now that's going to be certain. But the next group up, you mentioned Purdue. Um, You you look at Purdue, you look at uh, Ohio State, a Maryland, an Indiana, a Minnesota as well. Those are teams that, like, if you have one key injury or whatever, like, those teams take a step back. Mm -hmm. You know, they – that's why they're not quite mentioned up with – I mean, take take Marcus Carr out of Minnesota. Oh, right. What do you expect to happen in this league? Take Trace Jackson-Davis away from Indiana. You know, Purdue – Take Eric Hunter, for example, away from Purdue. They're limited in guard depth. Maryland, if Wiggins is out or Morseau is out, they're instantly, they're already not a deep, very deep team. You take those guys out, what's next? So it, it, it's tough right now, but it's always tough at the beginning of the season. And then people start getting hurt. People start getting sick. You know, situations happen. The next thing you know, games look a little bit different. And that's going to happen. That's going to happen. You know, that's going to happen. (laughs) But what's unfortunate with Minnesota is, like, you know, they're going to get Illinois at the start of the year when Illinois is completely fresh. Mm -hmm. You know, and then there's Iowa, of course, on Christmas. My gosh, can we move that game already? (laughs) Christmas? What are we doing on Christmas? Come on, man. Yeah. Christmas? Christmas?
0: yeah no i I completely agree with you on that, and especially when they're gonna go up against the NBA like this is not gonna go very well from a ratings perspective um yeah it it'll be interesting to see i I guess the things I'm looking forward to or hoping to see uh in this loyal Marymount game that's gonna come up on Monday, which is tomorrow, is uh, I'd like to see Liam Robbins play more than uh I don't know like fifteen minutes. Um, would like to see well i guess he played 18 against uh, green bay but i'd like to see him you know get out, stay out of foul trouble i'd like to see him get into the flow of a game etc um I'd like to see them play Marcus Carr less. I'd like to see Jamal Mashburn play more. Um, I'd like to see Trey Williams. Uh, he, you know, he, he did all right in that first in his first showing against Loyola Marymount. Um, I'd like to see him knock down a three um, and maybe hit a couple free throws. That would be nice. Um, what are you looking for in this game against Loyola Marymount, Ryan? Well, at the end of the
1: game, about five minutes ago, I was thinking to myself, what do I want to see? And just like you were saying right now, well, at the end of the game, I was hoping to see another Brandon Johnson post-up touch. Well, I was hoping to see another Liam Robbins post-up touch. So those are things I look for tonight, yeah, to, uh, tomorrow night. Um, the other thing, I was hoping to see a set called for Gabe Kelcher. run him off the screen. Mm-hmm. I don't even care where, where those screens come from. I don't care if it's a double at the top. I don't care if it's a, you know, get one on that. If you heard, they didn't hear that. That's my children running upstairs. I swear, it's insane. It's like <laughs> I live under. It's like I live under a horse track. For God's sake,
0: <laughs> I didn't hear it, but that's awesome.
1: <laughs> oh my lord! Anyway, you know, I would like to. I would like to see Gabe you know get some and get some open threes in a, in a in an offensive rhythm within the rhythm of the offense. I would like to see Jamal Mashburn, you know, a little bit more extensively. Those are the things that I was hoping for at the end of the game. I'd like to see them come in to this next game. Also. You know, start how are you gonna start this next game? The ball has to move to start this next game, like it did against Green Bay. We cannot, mm-hmm. the ball cannot stop, like it like it did last night. The ball has to move. Yeah. that's why they got off this slow start. Also, you know, Minnesota knows they're better than Loyola, 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 Loyola Marymount. They know they can limit Marcus's touches in the middle. They know Brandon Johnson can limit Eli Scott. They know that Douglas was guarding. Was guarding Marcus Carr last night. He he shouldn't be guarding him. But that's the best option they had. Right. Well, like you know, like you know that coming in, you know that he's their best option. You know, like Marcus Carr should destroy that dude, but do it in an intelligent way. Like the second time around, I think Minnesota should hammer them. But then you also got to think these are basketball coaches. They knew there was two games. Mm-hmm. What are we going to see different? That's true. Is Loyola Marymount going to spend the next forty eight hours working on some? zone, or have they been working for the last three weeks on some zone that we're going to see tomorrow? Yeah. Are they going to come out in a box and one on Marcus Carr because they thought, huh, our little guard did a decent job denying the ball at times the game. Maybe uh-huh. we should have him deny Marcus Carr. You, know, you just don't know what the team... They tried to press a little bit last last, last night, and Jamal Mashburn completely broke that down, and then threw it to Booth, and then threw it to Trey Williams. I think it was Trey Williams. Who then had a score. So, Will they try to press more? So you're gonna see some differences. If you're Minnesota, you know what you saw. You know what they are now. You know that the big fella from Australia is gonna come out and be rugged and talk trash mm-hmm. and have big hair. You know, like you know these things. So you, sh- it should be. A twenty-point
0: game this next time. Yeah, and I think to your point, I think the Gophers just have to find a way to play a play their first complete game of the season, right? And then if they then they should easily win by twenty or something. That's what we'd like to see out of this game. Um, and I'd like to see that just consistent ball movement that you know we, when we've seen them play well has been very evident and obvious. So it it will be interesting um, to watch. Anything? Any parting words before we head out, Ryan?
1: You know, I'm gonna. I guess my, I want to, I want to take a, I want to go Luke Beaver. Are we going to get another football game this
0: year? <laughs> I, 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 re- re- I really don't think we will. Like with the current numbers that they're reporting, like I just, I, I don't see how that's possible. Like I, I really just can't fathom how they're going to be able to get, how they're going to be able to get another game in.
1: Because they said it's like 40 or just over 40. And when Maryland and Wisconsin canceled their two, they were in the, they were at 30.
2: Yeah.
1: 30 cases. And, like, now some people have said, yeah, but some of Minnesota's cases were carrying over to points where they were actually playing games still. And while that may be true, numbers are huge. Like, there's no way they play Northwestern. No. No way. No way. So And they get back and play Nebraska? It seems like it might be tough.
0: I, I think that's <laughs> – I think it's pretty tough. I think that the only chance you have is maybe that ninth week. Right. And at that point, like what's that schedule going to look like? Because Minnesota potentially hasn't played three games and maybe hasn't practiced that entire time since. Right. I, I wonder if they even want to, I wonder if you're thinking, is there a player safety risk of not being able to practice? I guess they probably have been able to work out to some extent, but dude, I, I think it's over and it's obvious. And at least to me, why Bateman opted out. And I, I, I well, kind of questioned him coming back in general, but.
1: That makes sense. You know, it does make sense. He probably looked around and thought, we ain't going to be playing much. But I mean, if I would be worried about player safety against Wisconsin and Northwestern, I probably wouldn't be worried as much about player safety against Nebraska. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm uh, just
0: kidding. That was
1: a that... That rub. That was to all Nebraska, all three Nebraska <laughs> people who are listening because they're mad at us. Also, somebody on the message board I, I wanted a football conversation in here to close, and somebody on the message board was like, "What is this becoming? Is this isn't going for Radio." So I had to throw that in there.
0: Oh, that's really good. I like that. Um, yeah, we want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, it's fun to talk to Ryan again, and we'll we'll do this again soon. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Go Gophers!
1: Thanks, everybody. Go Gophers! We say.